Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. All right, guys, welcome back for another episode. Uh, sorry for no episode yesterday. One of those, it was just yesterday, it was just one of those days where I thought I didn't really have anything going on, and then all of a sudden we just ended up being busy. We just stayed at uh, my grandmother's, basically went swimming the whole day. Somewhat of the same things happened today, so, uh, but I'm squeezing in time to do this. Um, and I, you know, just squeezing in time so that way I could do this because I've just been dying to get this list out for you guys. My quarterback power, uh, not necessarily power rankings, but ranking the starting quarterbacks uh, 1 through 32 going into the 2019 plus uh, slash 2020 regular se- or season. And the re- it's kind of just a mix of on how I think they'll do and a bit of just the ranking, which I guess is kind of the- – that's confusing. Just basically it's just the ranking, all the court- starting quarterbacks that I think will be starters. So uh, i just been dying to get this list out for you guys. It took me three days to make, over five hours to do the reasoning for it because I wanted to make it an article form. If I just ranked the- the- these quarterbacks, probably would have taken me 45 minutes. Because I would have put I put serious thought into this. Probably would have taken me forty five minutes to put serious thought and move these guys around. But since I put reasonings here, it took me over five hours. So, uh, yeah, that's all. That's all we're going to be doing today is I'm going to be ranking uh, the starting quarterbacks one through thirty two going into next season. So let's get to that. Okay, so again, this is who I assume will be starting. A few of these teams, you know, could be, you know. Yeah, I'm not really too sure he'll start, he'll start. You know, maybe they won't start week one. I just went on who I think will either be starting or playing majority of the games. Uh, so at number 32, we got Josh Rosen of the Dolphins. I wrote, although I do not think, although I do think Ro- Josh Rosen was given up on way too early, considering he was a first-round pick just a year ago and he had bad coaching, no protection, and barely much of a receiving core, I can't put him too much higher than 32. Outside of his ability to throw into tight coverage, nothing really good stood out about Rosen's rookie campaign. He did throw 14 interceptions and only 11 touchdowns and 13 starts, which is not good at all. When you throw more in interceptions and you do starts and you have over 10 starts and throw less touchdowns and you have starts that's not very good at all that's not as and then I said that's not very good at all but then again I'm not ready to give up on Rosen so I'm not giving up on Rosen but I don't think he'll still have a st- I don't think he'll have a very stunning year at the same time you know when I look at that quarterback class as well Baker Mayfield looks like he's gonna be one of the better quarterbacks in the league Sam Darnold looks like he's gonna be middle of the pack type you know, quarterback. So he looks like he'll be solid. Lamar Jackson's still up in the air, but from what we've seen, he could at least be, you know, you know, so a starter, you know, whether it's not really that elite because of his arm, even just his running ability makes him enough of a threat to the point where I still think he'd get a starting job somewhere. And then I don't know, the, you know, that's what three right there. I'm missing someone, aren't I? No, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. And then there's Josh Rosen. So you figured one of the four bust out of there. I just think Josh Rosen will probably have the worst season somewhere close to that. Ryan Fitzpatrick will probably get a few starts as well. I just think that Dolphins team is not really a, a good place to develop young players. They're not a great organization. Um, and I just think they, they're they not a very good team as either. They don't have a ton of weapons a great coach or a great coaching staff to really lead Josh Rosen and help develop him. And it's not 
much of a better situation than it was in Arizona. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to kind of be pushing him, and I don't think that's a good thing. Sometimes being pushed is a good thing, but I don't think it's Josh Rosen's work ethic and the you know needing to be pushed is what his problem is. I think Josh Rosen's problem is right now he just needs to get the right development, and I think Ryan Fitzpatrick taking starts away from him is not really what's needed. It might be a good thing if you don't want to rush Josh Rosen, but then again, you might have to because the Miami Dolphins may have a top three pick next year and two attack. Uh, whatever his last name is, Tag of all, I don't even know how to say it, out of Alabama, is going to be entering the draft. And the tank for two in Miami seems really strong right now. Again, what do I know 10 months ahead of the NFL draft? But I'm just saying. I don't, I just don't, I just don't see this being, you know, a very good place for him to develop. And then at number 31, we got Joe Flacco with the Broncos, which is a bit weird to say. Uh, considering he's been with the Ravens so long, but I wrote, I'm just really not a Joe Flacco fan. This the guy has been living off his Super Bowl reputa- reputation for years now, and for those fools out there that's that still are too, you've got to snap back into reality because Joe Flacco is nowhere near that level anymore. He's getting old and has had a ton of injuries and lost a starting job in Baltimore to a rookie quarterback that was considered a running back by some. And yes, I am aware of that joke, and I really just don't find it to be funny. Flacco is nowhere near where he used to be, and he's lucky to even be uh, to even be a starter. So he should be pretty low on everyone's list. I'm really not a Joe Flacco fan. I haven't been for the past few years. I don't like players with bad contracts. I don't like players that turn over the ball a lot. And I don't like injury-prone players. He kind of puts that all into a package. So that's why I just really don't like Joe Flacco and why he's so low on my list. And even if I just looked at that, you know, from a general standpoint, he's going to be very low on everyone's list. I mean, he's aging. Joe Flacco, at best, will be, what, maybe 25 if he really hits his highest ceiling. And I, you know, doubt that'll even happen. His highest ceiling is maybe 26, 25. And he shouldn't even be that on anyone's list at this point. Uh, I just think 31 is a pretty fair fair point. I wouldn't say last. You know, somewhere between 29 and 31, I'd say you can maybe make a case for worse quarterback. But even if you say 32, 31, not a big difference. Number 30 is Dwayne Haskins of the Redskins. Now, it could very well be Case Keenum. I do think they should start Case Keenum to begin the year, but I'm not sure they will. I think uh, Dwayne Haskins will get a majority of the starts. Uh, But whether it's Case Keenum, Dwayne Haskins, they're probably going to both be relatively in the spot, and I decided to go Dwayne Haskins because I think he'll start a majority, although I think Case Keenum might get that week one start, and I think he should. I wrote, I like Taskins coming out of college, and it hurts to put him on 30 on this list, but I really only put him a few spots higher than this. I could really only put him a few spots higher than this, really 29 or 28 at max. And after thinking, I decided to put him at 30. It's always tough to rank rookies because you haven't seen them play a snap in the NFL. I don't think Haskins will fail this year. I just think he'll have his struggles. And so will the team around him. To be completely honest, I'm just not a fan of the Redskins roster, especially their weapons on offense. So I think he will hurt Haskins in the long run as well. Don't get me wrong, Haskins isn't someone who needs years of developing. He seems ready to take a starting job, uh, you know, I'd say on the Redskins starting job, maybe by like week four, he, he should be ready to at least, you know, enhance that. Not very high expectations, but... 
but he'll have some struggles in his rookie year with the rest of the roster. But I still like Haskins. Maybe, I guess I can... Josh Allen was the other uh, quarterback I missed. That's a big one that I missed. He didn't have a horrible year either. Uh, he didn't have a great one. He's next on our list. But a Josh Allen type year, I guess. Because Josh Allen's 29 on our list. So, a type of year where you walked in, yeah. you Were, were you ready to become a starter? Yeah, I think I'd say so. You were ready to take on a starting job. But were you going to have high expectations? No. Did you stun the world with your... Uh, with your performance last season, you know, in your rookie year, no. But did you th- did people look at you as a bust? No, that type of year. I think that's the type of year we should expect from Dwayne Haskins. And then at number twenty nine, I have Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills. Some people think he should be a bit higher, but I'll explain in a minute. Here's what I wrote: I think Josh Allen has some developing to do, and I do think he'll get a little better, but not a whole lot. Look, I really wouldn't be shocked if he has a pretty solid year, but I'm really not sure. He can scramble and run, and he has a cannon for an arm. But he doesn't have very good weapons, and he really lacks accuracy. I expect at least some improvement from Allen, but I'm not re- just not really sure how much. You know, Josh Allen's a guy. I never think. I don't think he'll really ever be great. You know, a fantastic quarterback. To be honest, uh, to to be completely honest with you, when I look, their defense improved. Their defense is one of the better defenses out there. But I look at it, uh, the head coach, McDermott there, he's more of a defensive-minded coach. He's not really someone who should be developing quarterbacks, given that could be the offensive lineman's job. But just as the head coach in general, I feel like he takes some responsibility there. When I look at their weapons, what they had John Brown from the Ravens. That's all they added, John Brown from the Ravens. Oh, and uh, I think they added Cole Beasley as well. So they definitely uh, improved some weapons, but I don't think it's all about the weapons, honestly. You know, the weapons will help Josh Allen. I don't feel like there were a ton of guys he could trust in that receiving core last year. And Cole Beasley and John Brown will definitely help, but those are no stunning quarterback uh, receivers. I don't think it comes down to the receiving core. I think it comes back down to Josh Allen because if his accuracy is the problem, then improving the receiving core can't be, you know, really the problem uh, for that. If it's your, if your accuracy is an issue, then that's not on the receiving core. So that's the thing. I would have liked to see them pick DK Metcalf just because I felt like he was such a great uh, down the field target for Josh Allen, and I think they would have gelled really well, and that would have helped DK Metcalf because he's like a one route guy. He's not a polished route runner. He just runs straight down the field, and Josh Allen can chuck him bombs like that guy can just chuck bombs all day. So Josh Allen, I think at twenty nine, some people would say a bit low, but. Listen, I don't see him developing as much as everyone thought this year and taking that big... I don't see him taking a very big leap. A little leap, sure. I see him getting a little better, but nothing stunning. I don't think just because the receiving core improved, Josh Allen will. I really just think if your accuracy is the problem, then improving the receiving core, I don't know how much that helps. Unless there's some sort of trust issue and he's scared to throw it. I don't know. I doubt that's really the issue either. I didn't hear any reports, but what do I know? I'd say 29 is a bit low. I could see him possibly going to 27, and I'll explain the two guys ahead of him in a minute. But at number 28, we have Andy Dalton. And I wrote, Dalton is a bit better than 28. He does have a solid running back in Joe Mixon and a star receiver in A.J. Green. And I'll throw in there a solid, uh, nice young receiver in Tyler Boyd. But he has no protection, and the Bengals are just a poorly run organization. When it comes to the O-line, they added Jonah Williams, but he'll miss the whole entire season due to surgery. And they added John Miller from the Bills, a nice little player from Buffalo. Okay, I I guess I said that, but... 
but he's a small improvement to, to an O-line that needs big-time help, especially considering Dalton gets exposed while under pressure. But he plays uh, well when he's clean in the pocket. I guess that goes with most players. I mean, most players can handle the pressure and still play well. Sean Watson, Russell Wilson. But Andy Dalton, though, he looks like a rookie quarterback out there when he receives pride. Like, I'm not even joking. He, It's bad. Oh, it's bad. I think this will probably be Dalton's last year with Cincinnati, and I don't think it'll be much of a happy ending. I just, this Bengals team doesn't appeal to me. They didn't really do anything this offseason. They might have had the most boring offseason out of all NFL teams, and they had moves to make. I mean, they picked Jonah, they picked an offensive lineman with the 11th pick, which I didn't have a problem with. It's just not that big uh, move that people look for. With the 11th pick, like if you pick an offensive lineman, that's not going to make a lot of noise. It was the right necessary pick. You know, it's a fine pick. It's just not one that's going to make a lot of noise. And they made no moves in the offseason. Absolutely none. Like, John Miller might have been their biggest offseason addition. I'm not even kidding. They they just have work all the way around to do. I think it's going to have to start with the, the front office. I think the front office has to make improvements. I think this is going to be Dalton's last year. I think he's just going to keep being a mediocre quarterback. This will be his last chance under a new head coach and Zach Taylor, where maybe he'll improve a bit, but... It's just rare to see these head coaches nowadays actually succeed, and especially in Cincinnati. I just don't see it happening for Andy Dalton. I mean, I could put him maybe a you know a little higher on this list as well, but I just think with the help around him, you know, talent-wise, Andy Dalton's still a mediocre quarterback, but talent-wise, he's, you know, mid-20s probably instead of late-20s, which isn't a big difference, but I just think with the cast around him, that's going to bump him down a few spots. And considering it's on the Bengals, who are going to suck this year. Then at number 27, we have Eli Manning of the Giants. And I wrote, this is as high as he should go on anyone's list. Maybe 26 if you can put up a very good argument, but it would have to be very flawless. If Solder can pick up where he left off, and Ziedler can be a big-time pickup, he's part of the OBJ trade, and Saquon Barkley can have a monster season and carry the offense with Tate Shepard and Ingram playing well as a receiving core, that should help cover up for Eli Manning at quarterback. Listen, I doubt all those things happen, and I really don't think Manning is a horrible quarterback, to be honest, but if most of those things happen and Manning can just handle 27 to at most 36 pass attempts a game, and he can just hold up the fort for possibly 6 to 14 games, maybe 5 or 4 games until Daniel Jones comes in, that would be a success. Eli has very low expectations, and so do the Giants. So I don't think any higher than 27 here. Again, flawless, absolutely flawless, not biased at all explanation would be needed to put him at 26. This is as high as he can get. I just think, again, I want to put Josh Allen at 27, move Dalton to 29, and Eli Manning 28. I mean, 29, 28, 27 is pretty interchangeable. I do want to kind of move Josh Allen a bit higher the more I think about it, but still, he's going to be pretty low down there. Uh, just in my opinion. Uh, but no, those ones are tough. Eli Manning, though, that's about as high as he can get. A low expectations for him. Uh, he, he just, it's it's clear he needs to retire very, very soon. I do think he likes being around the guys. He wants to finish out his contract. That's totally fine. But retirement is soon. We've definitely seen the best days from Eli Manning. At this point, he's just going to play, you know, the play out the rest of his career. He may only have a few games left. Uh, before he hands down the torch to Daniel Jones. Then at number 26, we have Nick Foles to the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
That was a weird way I said Jaguars. All right, I wrote, Foles obviously put up a heroic playoff run in the absence of Carson Wentz back in 2018, leading the Eagles to a Super Bowl. In last season, got five more starts and put up solid numbers and proved to be an amazing backup quarterback. But it was clear he was going to get paid and that the Eagles, ooh, excuse me, were going to have to choose between him and Wentz. And they went with the younger guy and Wentz. Foles could be a good game manager in the Jags' run-first offense along with the Jags' lockdown defense, but I really don't see Foles doing what he did in Philly. But he should be an upgrade over Blake Bortles. Listen, I could go on with a bit of a deeper explanation, and I will, in my own words. I just think Foles was a system uh, quarterback in Philadelphia. He had been in the system before he got there, and he went in. Had time to, you know, he already was used to the system, and then he had almost another year to get back into that system and work with those guys. And then when Carson Wentz went down, he was ready. And, I, I mean, even, you know, what he did for a guy who may have been used to the system was still heroic, but I just don't see Foles doing those same thing, same thing in Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville is a solid fit for him, but it's not, a like, a perfect fit like it was with Philly. And Philly had much better weapons I look at Jacksonville and say, yeah, you have a good defense. Leonard Fournette is someone who was a good running back. I don't really know anymore. I mean, Leonard Fournette could be a bust by, at this point. Like, he was good, but I don't know about anymore. They really don't have much of a receiving core. You know, their offensive line could improve. So I'm not really uh, too sure how Foles will do. I just look at him maybe to just be a game manager. And game managers usually won't win you anything. I know Tom Brady was arguably a game manager back in the very early 2000s when he won his first Super Bowl. And they still pulled that off. But that has to take a pretty incredible roster and a top-of-the-line game manager to do. And I don't look at Foles as a top-of-the-line game manager. And I don't look at the Jaguars as a top-of-the-line roster. I'm sorry. I just don't. And Foles maybe could be a little higher on this list. Like, I could probably put him at 24, maybe 23, arguably even 22. But I think 26 is a solid spot for Nick Foles. I, I don't. I couldn't put him any lower than 26. I could put him a little higher than 26, sure, but I got him at 26 for now. Then next we got Kyler Murray of the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Listen, I didn't want to, you know, it's hard to rank these rookies especially because they haven't played a snap. So 25 is really as high as he can go. Whether you think Kyler Murray's going to stun us all this year or what, and I'll explain why I have him at 25. I wrote, listen, I wasn't a very big fan of Murray out of college. If you guys have been listening for a while, I was like, Kyler Murray's going to bust. Kyler Murray's going to bust. I back things up a little. Maybe you won't bust. And I wrote, but I think... I've come to terms with myself to realize maybe I was overhating him a little. I just overhated him because I said, give Josh Rose another chance. Come on. Use you know, spend the number one pick on Quentin Williams or Nick Bosa. Add a piece to that defense. Let's try to upgrade that offense a little bit. You know, upgrade that wall, the offensive line around Josh Rosen. Give him another weapon. Give him that second chance. Give him a new coach. Let's try to refurbish things. And I know it was not a very pretty rookie year, but I think you got to give him a second chance because the circumstances he was playing in were horrible. But here we are. His size is an issue, but Kyler Murray can run with the football with great speed and accuracy. It will make Murray a very crafty player, plus the fact that he's playing under Cliff Kingsbury, who I don't like, still don't like him, but Murray will have great chemistry with him and should be a good fit under his scheme. Unfortunately, though, I don't think Murray's weapons and all around the team will help his case. 
you know, Larry Fitzgerald's their best receiver right now. Maybe Christian Kirk is their second. Larry Fitzgerald is still a solid, you know, receiver, but if he's your number one receiver and Christian Kirk's number two, and no one can name your starting tight end, that's a problem. That's a big problem. And if your offensive line's one of the worst in the league. Their defense is not that bad. I will admit Arizona's defense is not that bad. Uh, and they made additions. They made, did make some additions. So their defense is not that bad. But it's not stunning either. And this Cardinals team, it's going to be tough. They That whole franchise is lying in the hands of Kyler Murray. Because they gave up Josh Rosen for pocket change. To get him out of there. They hired a new head coach just for Kyler Murray. And they spent the number one pick on Kyler Murray instead of Nick Bosa and Quinn and Williams, who are, you know, probable pro bowlers or very, very solid players. So, I mean, the future is it's all lying Kyler Murray. If he busts, they're in trouble. At number 24, I put Lamar Jackson in the uh, Baltimore Ravens. I wrote, listen, I know the whole Lamar Jackson is a running back joke, and it's honestly not that funny. I said that earlier. Listen, I know he runs a lot, but his arm and it still has a lot of work, but Jackson is overhated. The throwing ability needs to improve for him to get much higher than uh, 24, but his running ability at defense should... Uh, oh, his his running ability in the team's defense help, could help his case as well. But it should be an interesting year for Lamar Jackson. When I wrote this, I was like, wait, I said, but his running ability in defense. Like I was speaking like Lamar Jackson's defense. I meant his team's defense. Ravens defense is still very good. So that should help his case a bit. But it'll definitely be an interesting year for Lamar Jackson. It's a big year for Lamar Jackson. A lot of haters. A lot of people like him. A lot of people make jokes about him and hate on him. Some people think he's the next Michael Vick. People are all all over the map with Lamar Jackson. But there are a lot of haters. Uh, People just look at Lamar Jackson. One, they look at the division. and A lot of people are overhyping the Browns. People still think the Steelers are playoff worthy. So it's like, oh, the Ravens are already in a tough division. And Lamar Jackson, the guy can't throw the ball. So it's just, it's going to be interesting. So I see the people's points with, yeah, he's running back. But come on, let's calm down. That's not even a very funny joke either. Number 23, I got Sam Darnold of the New York Jets. I wrote, I'm still not sold after Darnold's rookie season. That'll be the future quarterback for the New York Giants. But I do think he should pan out. Darnold did struggle with things like consistency and his decision-making could use a little improvement. He had 15 interceptions in 13 games. But Darnold finished the year pretty hot and has an improved defense, O-line, and running game. And with one year in the books, Darnold should be a bit more calm in the pocket this season and should have a much better season to continue to improve, especially with the roster changes. I also added, uh, uh, you also wanted to add, I remembered how he ended the season pretty good. He wasn't on fire, but he ended the season pretty well. Uh, Josh McCown kind of took over while he was banged up a bit there, and he came back, and he did a pretty good job. Uh, no, no, no. McCown finished out the season. Darnold got hurt after his 13 starts. But when his, you know, right before that injury, those few games leading up to that injury, he was actually doing pretty well. I will say Darnold was doing pretty well. So I think that those last few games really were big for me in this analysis because before that, I was not sold on Darnold. Number 22, we got Marcus Mariota, the Tennessee Titans. You could argue this is a bit too low for Mariota, but the rankings got really tight around this area. You know, from like 22 to like 19, 18, like 19, 22 through 18, I'd say, or 19 or so. It got really tight. 
And I wrote, Mariota has just really struggled to get over the hump his whole career. And with not many key changes being made to the offense, it's going to be, it's really going to be all up to how much better Mariota gets as a player this offseason. Mariota has been inconsistent over his career and has struggled to get the ball in the back of the end zone through the air. And let me tell you, his consistent injuries aren't helping him either. He's always hurt. They traded for Ryan Tannehill just because Ryan Tannehill's contract is no, you know, easy pill to swallow. It's not a huge one either, but let me tell you, that that's that's no little contract there at the same time. They literally trade for Ryan Tannehill just so that way they could have a reliable backup quarterback to finish out the year and push them into playoffs because the Titans are well aware it's going to come down to every single game if they even want to make the playoffs. Last year, they fell a game short to the Colts in Week 17. I remember watching that game, and that Titans team knows it's going to – Every game's going to count. So if Mariota goes down with 12, you know, only can play 12 to 14 games, they're going to need a reliable quarterback to step in there for the last, you know, four to two games or however long they have to play. And possibly the playoffs that they can make it there. So they know they need that reliable backup quarterback. Listen, you're not going to, you know, you can't trade for a starter to be the backup. It's not going to work. But they had to get a top-of-the-line backup, so that's why they went for Tannehill. And Mariota's not consistent. He can't put the ball in the end zone. I'm sorry. He doesn't not push the ball upfield very well. His weapons, you know, aren't the best. His O-line's, you know, all right. Derrick Henry is a bit overrated for that one game he had, that, like, one run. He's being overrated right now. I hate to say it. Uh, all of a sudden, people are considering, like, a top ten, almost 10 running back. I'm like, oh, God, slow down. Top 12, I'll, I'll say. I saw him on, like, 11th on a list. I was like, oh, I know he's improving, and he's still doing solid, but let's calm down. Like, week, like, 10 last year, we, you know, we, some people considered Deion Lewis the starter. They're like, please calm down on that. Come on, but Mariota, I mean, hopefully guys like Corey Davis do get a little better, some of those young receivers, but still, I think most of it's going to come down to Mariota, and I really don't see him getting a ton much better, a ton, a lot, whole lot better. Then number 21, we got Mitchell Trubisky of the uh, Chicago Bears. I wrote, no one's really too sure what type of year Trubisky will have. He's pretty boom or bust this upcoming season. Many people believe him that the Bears will believe him and the Bears will regress this upcoming season, and I do think him and the Bears are a bit being a bit slept on, but I do see the reasoning. We'll have to sit back and see what's in store for Trubisky this upcoming season. Boomer bust is a bit of a stretch now I look at it. I'd say more solid or I guess he'll either have a pretty solid year, you know, maybe be at highest 17 or 18 on a list, or he'll regress and maybe move back to 25. I don't see him being boom or bust, but it could be, you know, there's still, you know, a little less than boom or bust, I guess. Like, solid or mediocre, I guess, instead of boom or bust. But that Bears team, you know, they didn't make, you know, it's not like they, you know, got worse. But I just a lot of people seeing them regressing, and I definitely see that could happen. The division got better. Some people believe the Bears overachieved a little. I don't really think that, but that's what a few people think and believe. But I think Mitchell Trubisky should still be a solid quarterback. Uh, I'd like to see how he did on a bad, you know, worse team because I feel like he has a ton of help from that defense. He's got a nice little running back in Tariq Cohen. He's got solid protection and solid weapons. Listen, his offense is nothing stunning, but he's got a great coach. 
Uh, he's got a great defense and a solid offense. So he has a lot of help there. So I'm not sure how he is as purely as a quarterback, but he's not horrible. Number 20, we got Jameis Winston of the Buccaneers. I wrote, the former number one pick has a lot of talent. It's just about him making better decisions on and off the field and putting a putting a few pieces of his game together. Winston can definitely drive down the field in a matter of minutes and make some nice passes and plays, and he has no problem putting the ball in the end zone with 19 touchdowns in nine games last season, which is solid. Definitely very good. Uh, very, very solid. But it's really about his decision-making at this point. Winston has made a lot of stupid decisions that ruined good drives. He had 14 interceptions in nine games last season. So it's nice to toss 19 touchdowns in nine games with that Buccaneers team, which still has a solid offense, but still. But when you have 14 touchdowns in 19 games, that kind of uh, nine games, that kind of spoils it. And if he improved his decision-making off the field, that would help as well. With Bruce Arians as a new head coach as well, that should be a very good system for Winston. So there's not many excuses left. Bruce Arians is just a guy that should be a good system for Winston. He's a guy who seems to get the most out of quarterbacks. And I think that addition to Bruce Arians bumped James Winston into the top 20 for a lot of people. I do think that addition's big. I do hope, you know, he's been in the film room and his decision-making is getting better. Again, there's no questions about the talent, the arm, the ability to put the ball in the end zone and drive the ball downfield. But his decision-making on and off the field has to be much better. The guy's kind of just a knucklehead that makes boneheaded decisions, both, again, on and off the field. So hopefully Bruce Arians can really help him with that. And I really hope he does because I like Winston. I mean, I don't like some of the stuff he does off the field and whatnot, but I think he's really he does have potential, and I'd hate to see that type of potential be ruined. Nin- and number 19, we got Derek Carr, the Oakland Raiders. Carr's a tough one. He could have a pretty mediocre season like last season, or he could become more aggressive like we saw in 2016. Some people believe Carr's weapons were the problem, and now with A.B. and Tyrell Williams, that should solve things. But I honestly disagree. Derek Carr is a check-down quarterback, and he's not very aggressive. And maybe that was because he didn't have very good receivers. But look at Amari Cooper last season. When he's with the Raiders, he put up poor numbers and did not get a whole lot of catches. He had like one touchdown like those first six weeks. And then he went to Dallas and absolutely went off. Like argue, I think he went to the – did Amari Cooper go to the Pro Bowl? I think he did. I think he did. But Amari Cooper, whether he went to the Pro Bowl or not, he was darn close. And he had little time to put up a Pro Bowl campaign, and he did so. He just went off in Dallas, and it was much better. Listen, maybe you know, it was just Amari Cooper the change of scenery, but honestly, I think it was a mix of, you know, Dak Prescott, you could argue, isn't a whole lot better than um, Derek Carr, but he's certainly an improvement, especially for Amari Cooper. So I looked at that. I say A.B. and Tyrell Williams will help, but Derek Carr has to be more aggressive, and if he cost him a few more interceptions – that's all right, because with those few more interceptions, they're going to become many more touchdowns and wins for the Oakland Raiders. It's that simple. They have potential to make the playoffs. It's going to be tough with the Chargers, Chiefs, all of that. Your defense is absolutely horrendous. But if your defense can at least hold up the fort, you know, they're going to be under average. But if they can just hold up the fort and you can be really aggressive and your offense can, you know, do really well, you at least have a shot. It's going to be very tough for the Raiders. But if you're very aggressive and you give your team a shot, maybe your GM will make some moves to go out and add an offensive piece or two to help you out. Just saying. He's got to be more aggressive. It's not about the weapons, I don't think. It's about up here. Then at number 18, I've got Jimmy Garoppolo, the uh, San Francisco 49ers. 
I wrote, it was extremely hard to rank Jimmy G here. He's only played a total of 12 career games, 8 with the 49ers five, in 5 last season. But in his 12 games, Jimmy G has shown he could be something special. His accuracy and ability to lead an offense and push an offense downfield was something very good to take away from Jimmy G's little time in San Francisco. That's weird. The weird way I just said San Francisco. But anyway. He is coming back from a torn ACL, which is never easy at all. So it will be interesting to see if he picks up where he left off or if the injury will get the best of him. He did struggle that first week or two in San Francisco, but that last three, two to three weeks, he really picked up the slack and played amazing in San Francisco. He did such a good job, and I hope he picks up where he left off. I think uh, Jimmy G has that potential. He had those years of soaking in knowledge of Tom Brady. And eventually, he has he's got a ton of money in his you know pocket too. So hopefully, you know he doesn't just give up in rehab. Decide, you know what I've got, you know I've got the big check for a while now. Uh, I think I'm good. Gives up in rehab. Hopefully that doesn't really happen. But some people are like that. Some players, you know, carry themselves like champions and like they'll never quit. But then you know they get the the, the money. And injury rolls, a little injury rolls around. Even without an injury, some of these players give up. Hopefully, that's not Jimmy G. He can definitely come back from this ACL, but it'll be interesting to see if he does. Number 17, we've got Kirk Cousins of the uh, Minnesota Vikings. I wrote, listen, I like this Viking squad, and I love the weapons Cousins has around him. And I think he'll be a solid quarterback who will put up very solid numbers last season. But he's just a little too soft for my liking. He's the type of quarterback who's good, but not going to really win you your team anything. And maybe a playoff berth in a playoff game or two. Listen, I'm not saying the Vikings definitely won't win the Super Bowl. And I think they had the potential to do so. But they always seem to disappoint, and Cousins isn't the type of quarterback who will win you anything. For example, last season, he was the only quarterback in the league to start all 16 games and lead, and still lead zero game-winning drives. And believe me, I'm not just basing my analysis off that one stat. Uh, we've seen it time and time again. He just can't win your team anything. He'll put up solid numbers, maybe push your team to the playoffs, maybe get a playoff win, but he's not going to win you anything. If you want to win a Super Bowl, Kirk Cousins isn't the guy. Listen, this team has been disappointing. Not only, you know, Kirk Cousins has been solid, maybe a little disappointing, but the whole roster's been disappointing. But Kirk Cousins, some people have him around 15, 14. That ability that he just can't win with them, even though he puts up solid stats, you can't base it off all stats with Kirk Cousins because when it comes down to it, he's just too soft and he's not going to win you anything. That that's why that's just what it comes down to. I know you had that you know miracle against you know New Orleans to win that playoff game, but let's be honest, that was a boneheaded decision by that New Orleans Saints receiver. It was a nice little throw, but you shouldn't have won the game off that. So I don't know how much that really counts. Then at number 16, we got Matt Stafford of the Detroit Lions. I wrote, some people will say this is a little too low for Stafford. And between 16, 15, 14, and even 13, it was really close. So even throwing Kirk Cousins at 17. And he could have taken any one of those spots. But with that being said, Stafford regressed last season. He became a much more conservative passer, losing that aggression he once had. We barely even saw any of Stafford's magical fourth quarter comebacks. But with that being said, you could blame some of that on the play calling. The roster all around improved, and Stafford gained weapons like TJ Hawkinson, Jesse James, Danny Amendola, and Tommy Lee Lewis. Plus, 25-year-old receiver Kenny Galladay seems to be on the rise. But the team did lose star receiver Golden Tate, so it'll be interesting to see if the new core is better than the old one. I do think it should be a little bit. 
But with that being said, Stafford needs playoff success and be and to become his old aggressive self if he wants to get higher in this list. I do think Stafford will be a bit more aggressive this year. He'll have more. I think the receiving core will be a little better. I think there was a bit of a trust issue there. Along with the play calling, Matt Patricia's changing the whole offensive play calling system. I heard that report. Hopefully he's not the play caller anymore. That was his first year. With one year under his belt, hopefully he's a little better with the play calling. And I do think the play calling will become at least a little better, which will you know, mean Stafford will be a little bit more aggressive. I do think Stafford will be a little better than last season. But with that being said, I still think until he gets that playoff success, I can't put him you know, a little too, you know, too much higher than like 15 or 14. So I got him at 16. But at number 15, I've got Dak Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys. I wrote, this is a big year for Dak. Not only is it the last year of his rookie deal, but he's eyeing a max extension slash contract with the Cowboys. Then there's proving the haters wrong. Not a whole lot of people believe Dak is elite, and some people think he's already hit his ceiling despite only being 25 years old. So this is a big year for him to prove people wrong. Prescott looks much more comfortable with a reliable wide receiver in Amari Cooper and his ability to avoid turnovers. Overs, and along with the scrambling ability, looks really good. Along with the uh, ability to avoid turnovers and his scrambling ability, both look really good. But he still takes unnecessary sacks that cost his team drives, and his accuracy is still very inconsistent along with his week-to-week game. Again, one week, he'll throw four touchdowns, and then he'll push the team down for you know a field goal, and Zeke will punch in a touchdown or something. And they, you know, they put up like 38 points and absolutely destroy. And then the next week he'll throw three picks and like the first four or five drives get taken out of the game. He just needs to become a more consistent player. The accuracy much more consistent. That's a big part of the week-to-week thing. Because one week his throws are money. And the next week they're just all over the place. And that leads to the interceptions rather than the touchdowns. And then the, you know, the unnecessary sacks. The team will be at like the 35-yard line, 33-yard line. They got a ton of momentum. You're right in field goal range. He takes an unnecessary sack, takes his team out of field goal range, sucks out all that momentum away, and that just really stinks. And that's just a big thing with Dak Prescott. I mean, it's going to be a huge year. You're not really sure how he's going to do. I'm just going to plop him at 15, middle of the pack. I think that's always the type of quarterback he'll be. Number 14, we've got Jared Goff of the Los Angeles Rams, not St. Louis. They do the same thing. It's much worse with the Chargers. I'll always say San Diego Chargers. Ugh, I, it's just so weird. Like so many of these Los Angeles teams. Jared Goff, I wrote, despite putting up solid stats last season, Goff can't go much higher than 14. Because from what I've and most of us have seen, Goff, Goff is a system quarterback. Goff thrives under McVay's system. When McVay wasn't the coach or when his game plan Game plan failed like it did in the Super Bowl. Goff got exposed. Again, you know, you can argue, well, yeah, if the game plan's bad and the play calling's bad, then Goff's not going to do that great. But still, still, you see the evidence of a system quarterback there. There's no question the former number first overall pick has talent. He's incredible on play action passes and when kept clean in the pocket and when in rhythm and when he's calm. He can make some great passes, but the fact that I believe Goff is a system quarterback really hurts his case, so I couldn't put him much higher. Again, if you're like a true system quarterback, I, you know, even when you put up really good stats, lead your team to the Super Bowl, I can't put you much higher than 14, maybe 13, but that's even that's even a bit too high. Like 14 is really as high as I can put you. 
you know, if you're really just the true system quarterback. And I'm putting that here. You're saying, yeah, we did the same thing with Nick Foles. But Foles is no longer in that system where he thrived in, unlike Jared Goff. And Goff still was able to become a reliable quarterback throughout. And he still put up better stats than Foles because Foles, you know, went in there for five games. Uh, Goff played the whole season and put up Pro Bowl stats, even though he's a system quarterback, and led his team to the championship. Foles did that all two years ago. It wasn't the start of the whole year. Then number 13, I've got Cam Newton of the Carolina Panthers. I wrote, I'm not really a big believer in Cam Newton and the Panthers anymore, to be honest with you, but Cam still deserves a, at least a top 15 spot. Maybe a top, at least a top 17. But, you know, you get the point. Cam Newton's injuries really scare me, and I'm not sure... I'm, I'm not sure if his throwing arm will ever be the same thanks to his shoulder. And it's costing him to his, his team turnovers, and he can't make many good throws anymore, with most of his highlights coming in, with his legs. North Turner's quick throw scheme worked very well to start the year, but defenses started to catch on Newton's shoulder injury caught up to him again, making it pretty rough for the second half of the season for Cam. Again, I'm not a big believer, but players have returned from injuries just fine before, and I have to give North Turner and Cam at least one more shot to figure things out. I did not want to put Cam Newton at 13. I honestly want to move him down to like 16, but I decided I want to give Nor the veteran offensive coordinator North Turner another one more chance to try to figure things out. He's a veteran. He's been in this business for a while. Cam Newton is a former MVP. So I want to give him another chance. 13 is really as high as I could put them. you know. And I just don't really like this Panthers team, to be honest. So I, I, we'll see how it goes. But 13 is as high as I could really put Cam Newton. And I want to put him at like 15 or 16. But I decided to give him a shot. Again, it got really close. Between 13, 14, 15, 16, even throwing 17, it was close. It was really close. I would not be shocked if 17, number 17, Kirk Cousins is a better season than uh, Cam Newton at number 13. Wouldn't be shocked one bit. Then number 12, you got Baker Mayfield of the Cleveland Browns. I wrote, listen, I'm not on the Browns hype train, although I do, but I do believe they'll have a good shot at the playoffs. But I do know I'm on the Baker Mayfield hype train, and I have been for a while now. Baker Mayfield walked in as a rookie onto one of the worst teams, one win in two years, and with one of the worst coaching situations the NFL had seen in years. And Baker Mayfield walked into that situation with his first start when the team was 1-1-1. So they had one win in two years, and then they tacked on a 1-1-1 record before, you know, in the first three games before it started. So when he, you know, before he got drafted in the past two seasons, the team had one win in two years, and then before he got his week four, you know, for, no, it wasn't his first start. He played in week four. Uh, he went one and one. The team was one, one and one, if you get know what I'm saying. And then he went six and seven and broke the rookie touchdown record with in 13 starts, 14 total games. So he didn't even play every single game. Still broke the rookie touchdown record. In that system with limited weapons, okay, horrible coaching situation, Again, just one of the worst teams the league had seen in decades, with one of the worst coaches, no like no development system at all, and he went in there in 13 starts, 14 games, led them to six and seven, and almost to the playoffs, and broke the rookie touchdown record. That is so impressive. I also wrote Mayfield also absolutely torched defenses with one of the worst situations possible, and almost took them to the playoffs. Now this year he'll have one, be under one of the 
He'll have one year under his belt, which much improved weapons and much better coaching staff that should cope with this play style. I really do believe in Mayfield, and I think he'll only be on the rise from here to years for years to come. I just really, really love Mayfield, and I think this situation is much better than last season. And considering what he just did last season, now he's got much better weapons, a year under his belt, much better coaching. I think this kid's only going to be on the rise. Then at number 11, I've got Ben Roethlisberger, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I wrote, it was really close from here between Big Ben and Baker, but I decided to give the veteran the edge. But don't be shocked if Baker has a better season, and I'm definitely rooting for Baker Mayfield over Ben Roethlisberger. Although I'm not, like, Baker Mayfield is a person. I don't hate him. I don't love him either, but I don't like Big Ben at all. I wrote, Big Ben did lose did lose Antonio Brown, but his, but. He has weapons like Juju Smith-Schuster that are ready to step up. Plus, that may get rid of locker room problems. But with that being said, A.B. is no little loss. Big Ben led the league in passing yards last season, but A.B. accounted for almost one-fourth of those yards. Big Ben also threw 34 touchdowns last season, and A.B. accounted for 15 of those touchdowns, just shy of half of Big Ben's touchdown total. Big Ben's decision-making isn't getting any better with his interceptions totals on the rise, plus the Steelers quarterback isn't getting any younger, and his love for the game is starting to fade. I'm not sure we'll ever see Big Ben in the top 10 ever again. But, you know, I just think 11... If I have him 11 now, he's on the decline. Forget top 10. I mean, forget it. Maybe, you know, if he starts off the year hot, he'll climb into the top 10 for a few weeks. But I, I just don't really see Big Ben ever as a top 10 quarterback ever again. Now we move into the top 10, where most people really get excited. This is what most of you came for. I doubt most of you came for just here. Oh, who did Aiden have at number 10? 30, you know, this is what you guys came for. This is a big ticket event. You guys watch the trailer now. You watch the beginning. This is the climax right here. This is where things get interesting. This is the ending. All right, what's about to happen? Things are about to get uh, juicy, spicy, whatever you want to say. All right, number 10, I got Deshaun Watson of the Houston Texans. I wrote, Watson deserves a top 10 spot. Watson is considered by many to be a rhythm passer, and rhythm passers usually need to be kept pretty clean in the pocket. Well, Watson was sacked a league-high 63 times last season and still managed to take the Texans to the playoffs while throwing 26 touchdowns and only 9 interceptions under all that pressure as a very young player that had a 103.1 rating, which is very good. Not the best in the league, but very good. Now he... Now he maybe had the best receiver in the league, and in my in my opinion, with DeAndre Hopkins. But outside of Hopkins and his defense, Watson had a horrible offensive line, an average at best running back in Lamar Miller, and only really one other weapon in the receiving core in Will Fuller. But the problem is he can't stay healthy. Now, that's not a horrible setup, but it could be better at the same time. But with that being said, Will Fuller will be back from injury, and the O-line has made some improvements. So if Watson can stay healthy, it should be a pretty good show in Houston. I like, I love Deshaun Watson. I, I think I just, you know, the situation he's been put in, I get a good defense, great receiver in DeAndre Hopkins, very good young underrated receiver in Will Fuller when he's healthy, but keyword when he's healthy. Outside of really DeAndre Hopkins and the defense, he really didn't have a whole lot. I think the coaching staff could improve. Houston's under a lot, a lot of pressure this year, but I, I do think Deshaun Watson will be a bright spot on that team if they don't do well. Hopefully they do. I do think they will, and I think they'll be a threat in the AFC.
Number nine, we got Carson Wentz to the Philadelphia Eagles. I wrote, with Nick Foles gone and Nate Sudfeld as the new backup, 25 career snaps for Nate Sudfeld. Sudfeld. It's clear Wentz now is the key to a very good-looking offense. Wentz put up an, an MVP season in 2017-2018 before getting injured for the season and then regressed a little in 2018-2019, then suffering in another season-ending injury. Wentz has a lot of talent, but he may be, have to be able to stay healthy, especially with Nick Foles not at backup anymore to bail him out. He also has to gain more trusting chemistry with his teammates, with some calling him selfish. But with that being said, I expect the Eagles to win their division, and I think Wentz will be a big part of the success. But he needs to stay healthy and gain trust from his teammates and become a better teammate himself. That was a bit, you know, a lot of teammates backed him up and said, Wentz isn't sketchy, but I'm mean, sketchy, selfish. But the fact that at least a few of them are saying he is selfish, I think means he needs to improve. And he came out in a bit, yes, I have to become a better teammate. So at least he's, you know, admitting, yes, I do need to get better. I'll work on it. So that is a good thing. But Wentz, you know, that's the big part, I think, right there, just the chemistry with the teammates. And he needs to stay healthy. I think if he can stay healthy and fight hard through rehab, he should be good. Then at number eight, we got Phillip Rivers of the Chargers. I wrote, I know this is a bit of a hot take, but I wrote, I know this one might get a few people mad considering the year Rivers just had and the big expectations for the Chargers, plus the fact that Rivers has been pretty underrated his whole career. But I expect some sort of regression from Rivers and maybe even a little from the Chargers themselves. The team mostly made defensive additions through the draft, and they lost wideout Tyrell Williams and could possibly lose one of the best running backs in the game in Melvin Gordon. Plus, if I'm going to hold playoff success against Matt Stafford, I have to do the same with Rivers. I'm sorry. I just think we'll see some regression from Rivers this season, but he still well is well-deserving of a top-10 spot here. Between 8 and 1, it got really close. Now, Phillip Rivers does not have any business being at 1, 2, 3... Even four, argue, very arguably even five, I think. He's more of an eight through six type of quarterback, maybe five. One through four, though, no, no. Even five is a bit of a stretch. I mean, yes, Rivers has been underrated, and I know people want to give him the recognition he deserves, especially after the season he had last season. Well, let's not start to overrate him now. I still believe, you know, a little bit of regression for Phillip Rivers in that Chargers team. They lost a few pieces offensively. I just think it's still well-deserving of a top-10 spot, but I think they'll regress a bit. Then at number seven, I have Matt Ryan of the Atlanta Falcons. Matt Ryan continues to be one of the most underrated quarterbacks in football. The Falcons may have missed the playoffs last season, but a bounce back is definitely possible. But even with the team's struggles last season, Matty Ice still delivered a very good season. He played in every single game last season and threw for 35 TDs with only seven interceptions on the season. He also fell just 76 yards short of 5,000 passing yards. Matty Ice may not lack weapons, but his interior protection needed improvement, and he had no help on the other side of the ball, to the point where he could throw four touchdowns and 300 yards, and it still wouldn't be enough. But Devontae Freeman will be back, and the O-line has made improvements, mostly through the draft, along with the defense. So it looks like Matt Ryan may be getting a little more help outside his receiving core this season. Matt Ryan, very underrated uh, quarterback. The guy doesn't turn the ball over a lot. Uh, he throws a lot of touchdowns. He can throw a lot of for a whole lot of yardage, and I know he choked that twenty-eight to three lead in the Super Bowl, but he still is very good. Down, he still looked good down the stretch in a lot of games. 
I think a bounce back year could be in the books for the Falcons. Hopefully it is. He'll get some more help with Devontae Freeman coming back. I'm not sure how good it'll be, but it is, you know, it's help, help from the defensive side of the ball. They added Caleb McGarry and, uh, Chris Lindstrom through the draft, so it should be interesting to see what the Falcons do, but I think they got to at least be two wins better than they were last season, that's at least. Then number six I got, maybe the hottest take on the list, Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers. This is not very, no, I don't want to sound biased here. I think in general, I'm not very biased. And I will admit, I don't really like Aaron Rodgers. I don't. I just think he's pretty crappy as a person. But with that being said, one through eight was close, but one through six was even closer. I wrote, it's a hot take I'm willing to stick with. I don't believe Rodgers is a top five quarterback. But I'll admit, he sure is close, and I wouldn't be shocked if he has a top five year. I know that Mike McCarthy is no longer running the offense and that Matt LaFleur's new offensive scheme will fit quote-unquote perfectly. And as much as I like LaFleur, you never know. I don't think it'll be perfect. I don't. I think people are overhyping this scheme. So let's cool, cool down with that one a bit. It should be an improvement over Matt, uh, Mike McCarthy. If it isn't, then we got problems. Overall, the roster has improved as well. But I still think that despite only throwing two picks and playing all 16 games, Rodgers will have... Rodgers still has some knee problems that I believe will either get him out of games or cause regression if he plays out the season. Not to mention, at age 35, Rodgers is not getting any younger. Don't get me wrong, the voting was close, and I still think Rodgers will have a solid year. But in my books, he is not top five anymore. Very close. He could have a top five year. He could have a top three year for for all I know. He could be the MVP. He could. I don't really think he will, but he could be in the MVP race whether that's second or third. I don't see him winning MVP. He could, but I just don't see it happening. But I I wanted to do something a little bold, and one of my bold takes for a while has been Rodgers in the top five quarterback. I'm sticking with that, okay? I think even though the team's made additions, much better coach. He was able to stay healthy last season. I think either he's going to get hurt this season or regression. He's going to go through a little bit of regression. He still has a lot of talent. He'll still put up Pro Bowl numbers. The Packers will hopefully, you know, not hopefully. I don't, eh, I, I don't hate the Packers, but I still think they should do a little better. But the team has got better. He'll have a little more help defensively. Maybe he'll adjust the receiving core a little more, but I don't see him as an off-five quarterback anymore. I know it's a hot take, and it was close, but still. And then number five, I've got Andrew Luck of the Indianapolis Colts. I wrote, no one was sure if Luck could ever play again. Never mind play at the level he did last season. Luck and the Colts got off to a pretty horrible start at the beginning of the season. But then things took a quick turn for the better, and Luck tossed 39 touchdowns. He did have arguably the league's best O-line. He used to have one of the worst, if you remember. That was a big part of his injuries. So being kept clean in the pocket allowed him to stay healthy and play at a very high level. He did throw 15 interceptions, which needs to be a little lower. And he only threw for 3,448 yards, which isn't bad, but it couldn't prove. With that being said, I think Luck deserves a top five spot on this list. I don't really like his receiving core, to be honest. As much as I like Marlon Mack, I think he's a bit overrated. And their defense has improved, but it still needs to take another step or two. With that being said... I still think Luck deserves a top five spot. I mean, that's actually, that should help his case. Yeah, you tossed 39 touchdowns and 
Your receiving core could do a little improving. Your run game, same. Your defense, same thing there, too. That should help his case, and I think it does. But Andrew Luck, to me, he deserves the top five spot. You know, Rodgers definitely could. But I think, you know, they both have the holes on their team around them. I don't really know what else to say. I'm trying to expand this conversation with Andrew Luck. But I just think Luck deserves the top five spot, considering, you know, it took him five games to adjust last season, still tossed 39 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. I think the touchdown total is going to stay, you know, right around, you know, somewhere in the 30s. Maybe it'll touch the 40s, and the interception total is going to go down. I'd say to at least 12 or 13, at least, which is an improvement. It's no, not fantastic, but it's an improvement. I think those first five games were just really rough for him, and it was just adjustment. So he, I think his yardage will even go up as well. Then number four, I got Russell Wilson, finally getting the recognition he deserves. I wrote, this number four spot is pretty well-deserved by Russell Wilson. Wilson had 35 touchdowns and only seven interceptions. Same as Matt Ryan, I just realized. A 5-to-1 ratio multiplied by 7. That's very, very good. I wrote, add on his scrambling ability, 110.9 rating, and his will to compete every single week no matter what, even with one of the worst O-lines in the league, poor play calling, and inconsistent and inexperienced wide receivers, along with a middle-of-the-pack defense at best. Wilson still finds ways to get the job done on and off the field, and he somehow took that team that was supposed to be rebuilding to a 10-6 and record and a wildcard appearance in the playoffs. I give a round of applause to Wilson. They led the league in rushing yards with like a combination of like five you know, receivers. Russell Wilson pitched in uh, running backs. Russell Wilson pitched into that. Their O-line is just horrible. Their rece- I hate their receiving core. Doug Baldwin's gone. Their best receiver at this point may be Tyler Lockett, who's some just think of him as a special teams guy. Now he's more than that. He's underrated, but still, Tyler Lockett is your number one receiver. I feel bad for you. I sincerely do. And yeah, they have Bobby Wagner, which is all good. But when you you know when you look at the rest of that uh, you know group that they Seattle has on defense, they're average. Pete Carroll's a good uh, good coach overall. The play calling was boring, but he still had a very good year. It was impressive what he did with that team. Russell Wilson, frankly, carried them to the playoffs. Without Russell Wilson. They were probably a three-win team. I'd say three-win team. They were in a pretty bad division, which helped. I mean, the Rams were dominating, but what, the Niners and the um, Cardinals, two the two worst teams in the league last season were in your division, which helped a bit. But still, Russell Wilson really did carry that team really hard. I'd say they're a three-four-win team without him. He carried that team, no doubt about it. Number three, I got Tom Brady of the Patriots, my favorite athlete of all time. I wrote, this may be a little biased considering, I I just said it, but I'm a Pats fan and TB12 is my favorite athlete of all time, but Tom Brady's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I do think he's turning into a bit of a system quarterback and that the system may be hiding some of his regressions, but I still have to put him at number three. If this list was solely based off talent, Brady might not be in the top 10. The guy can't make a deep pass. He's not athletic at all. And yes, you guessed it. He can't scramble for his life. But Brady studies the game and reads defenses perfectly, makes short but effective and and efficient passes, and is absolutely ice when the game matters most. Brady is still a top quarterback for now in my eyes. At this age, the level he's playing at is great. Again, I think he's regressing a bit in the system siding that, turning into a bit of a system quarterback. The deep throws have to scare you, you know, the way you just – he's never been able to throw it, though. So he makes these short, efficient passes, and he's just iced down the, you know, stretch of the game. He's not a very flashy player, especially talent-wise, but he's still one of the best quarterbacks today. 
Then at number two, I've got Drew Brees of the New Orleans Saints. I wrote Brees' year, like Brady's, for example, in the top five are coming to an end. But for now, Brees is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and I'm sure you could put up a case for the best. He was eight passing yards short of 4,000, which isn't a lot for Breeze, but he only played 15 games, and it was clear the Saints were trying to run the ball a lot to keep him healthy and salvage his arm. Breeze did struggle later into the year, which makes me wonder how he'll do in the playoffs if the Saints make it again. I do expect a little bit of regression from Breeze, to be honest, but he's still one of the game's best quarterbacks with his unreal accuracy and his ability to get the job done in crunch time. I do think we're going to see regressions from Drew Breeze. I don't think I think you could put up a case for best quarterback going into the year, but I think once you see him play, you won't have him as the best if you do right now. I'm sorry, I just look at his age, and I know you can say the same thing about Tom Brady, and I, I'm saying it about some of these older guys. We're gonna see regression from guys like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. We're gonna see it. We're gonna start seeing it. Aaron Rodgers is now 35. Brees is, I think, almost 40, or he is 40. He's very close to 40 if he isn't yet. And Tom Brady's what 41. 42. These guys are going to start regressing. I think if you have, you know, Drew Brees is the best quarterback, you won't anymore once you get six weeks into the season or, you know, you know, maybe by the time the regular season's over. They tried salvaging his arm by running the ball a lot and he still struggled towards the end of the year. It's clear his arm isn't holding up as well as it used to. I'm sorry. He's still one of the better quarterbacks in the league, though. I won't lie about that one. Then number one, I have Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs. Some people may not like this just because he's really only played one year, but let me explain. I, this is a long paragraph, by far the longest. So uh, get, get the popcorn, sit back, relax for the next few minutes. You don't know how stupid it feels to put basically a one-year quarterback. He played week 17 this rookie season. That's it. But I think Mahomes deserves this spot. I do think a lot of quarterbacks have an argument here. As I said, one through six got real tight, and I think anyone run through six has a shot for the number one spot. Really. You know, maybe not Russell Wilson or Andrew Luck. Even Aaron, I think Aaron Rodgers has a better case for number one than my four and five, which doesn't really make sense. But still, you get the point. A lot of guys have an argument here. But I've got to go with Mahomes. Sure, Mahomes did did have a lot of weapons, but he had a pretty poor defense, and it's clear that the kid has generational talent. 15, 50 touchdown passes in basically your first season. That feat has not ever hasn't even been conquered by names like Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and Joe Montana. Only Tom Brady and Peyton Manning have done this, and they each did it once. That's crazy, especially considering he's playing in today's era. Okay, that's crazy. But it wouldn't have been enough for me to pick him number one. I also had a factor in the factor in the fact that he threw for over 5,000 yards and had a 133.8 rating, which is absolutely insane. A 133.8 rating. I think it was 113.8. Uh, but uh, I, uh, I, you know what? I'm going to go check that rating. Okay. So it turns out that rating was a 113.8. I was going to say, if you threw for 133.8, you're crazy. But anyway, but even that was not enough for me to put him at number one. I looked at the fact that this kid could win, and that and that he could stay calm in big moments under all that pressure and still play well, and that he was always able to struggle and seem defeated and still stay calm and figure things out, and then go out there and beat def- the defense he was facing. I'm talking about the playoffs, especially the Patriots game in the AFC Championship. In the first half, it seemed like... Pat, the Patriots had figured Patrick Mahomes out, but then Patrick Mahomes stayed 
calm, went into the locker room, and him and the Chiefs came up with a new game plan. And Patrick Mahomes went out there and really played well. But unfortunately, I'll admit, the refs made a few calls that might have hurt their chances. And Mahomes didn't even get a chance in overtime. Listen, I hate to base it off one game, but Mahomes has only gotten one chance, and I feel like that's a pretty big one game. I guess I could make I guess I could factor in when he torched Indianapolis's defense the up the round before too. Listen, I think the best quarterback in the league is still up for grabs, and I do believe it's very, very debatable, but give me Mahomes. But believe me, it's very, very close. So again, very, very close. The number one spot's still up for grabs, but that is my list. Uh, over an hour for an episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. That took me over an hour to talk about that list. It took me over five hours to make. So it wasn't all for you guys. I wanted that for future reference as well. But I did mostly for a podcast. So I hope you guys did enjoy. It took a lot of work. Whether you just came here for the top ten. Whether you only came here to hear my like top five. Or just the top quarterback I heard. When you came here for the whole thing, I appreciate it. I wish you'd all listen to the whole hour, but I can't force you into doing anything, and I'm just appreciative that you uh, even listen to this podcast and decide to tune into this episode. So thank you guys for listening, calling on the Anchor Mobile app on anything you want to talk about or through Safari, uh, typing in uh, after the sports talk by Aiden Mayer on Anchor. Anything you want to talk about, any complaints you have with this list, I'm open to anything. Uh, Yeah, so thank you guys for listening, and I hope to see you guys next time. Thank you.